Email itself will be its own experience in the inbox and it won't just be done clicking links out to a website anymore or a social app or anything. Email will be the experience. And so um, I don't think it's far away where you'll be able to, you know, um, e-commerce focus, where you just be able to kind of transact straight from your email inbox. You'll be able to kind of just live within the inbox. And what that'll mean is the relevant email and the stuff that you like and engage with will be way more powerful. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Remarketing has been a constant throughout this program, and for good reason. The colder the customer, the more it's going to cost. My guest today, George Hartley, brings smarter mail to the conversation, valuing ease of use and integration with us entrepreneurs in mind. And for what it's worth, it's what I've selected for my business. I can't help but wonder what exactly that is worth. So email podcast.debutify.com and let me know. George Hartley, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. Good morning to you. I know you're, you're in Australia. Um, so how are you doing this morning? How are you feeling? Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's good. It's a chilly day here in Melbourne, and um, yeah, it's uh, I'm looking forward to sort of kicking off and, and talking all things email and e-com. That's the same here. Before we do that, in Australia, it goes into the winter season now, right? Like here in Canada, it's turning, uh, it's turning warm, and you're having the opposite effect. Yeah, and um, you know, the days get shorter as well. So obviously, most of our customers are over in, in uh, North America and then Europe, so um yeah we sort of here in australia we do tend up tend to staying up stay stay up late into the cold evening um while you guys are you know kicking off into summers but you know it, it, we've been doing this for like many years so i'm used to the chilly cold nights working while everyone looks like they're having a good time in north america <laughs> we, well you know we've uh, we've waited all year for it and uh it, there's a there's a slight degree of paranoia to the weather because it's like, oh this is nice but then the sun goes down and all hell breaks loose all right, and with that warm up, let's go to the opening question. George, tell us what do you do and what are you up to these days? Yeah, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Smarter Mail. Um, Smarter Mail is an app uh, to send better email for e-commerce. Um, we have been building out Smarter Mail for the last five years, um, and so basically, if you're a kind of um, if you're selling stuff online, you know, you're on Shopify, big commerce, any of these platforms, and you want to uh, do better marketing to your customers using your own data, um, kind of do a step up in, in emailing from just bulk newsletters. Well, w- we're the best tool for that. Um, so yeah, we, you know, me and me and the team, there's 15 of us, we've been building this out uh, since 2016 and um, yeah, it's been awesome. You know, we, um, Obviously, e-commerce has, has been growing strongly that whole time, and and with COVID, it like took a, a big leap forward as well. So, um, it's been a really kind of cool space to be in. Um, but my background actually um, before that was in e-commerce as well. So this is this is uh, the, the second startup I've, I've co-founded. Um, you know, before Smarter Mail, and actually that sort of the idea of it came out of it was our, our first startup that's still going strong. Uh, called Blue Thumb here in Australia. Uh, Blue Thumb is Australia's Thumb, largest right. online art marketplace. And um, I co-founded that back in 2012. Um, my brother still runs that and he's growing that. And yeah, the, the sort of the idea for Smarter Mail and like a better email retention tool using data came out of, of what we were doing with Blue Thumb. And that was um, emailing art to, to our browsers and customers. Um, and yeah, not to ramble, but the kind of the whole genesis of, of oh, why, please do we're, okay. we're pro ramble here. The whole, the whole genesis of, of why we kind of, um, why we even came about was, you know, we, we were trying to solve, um, trying to solve retention basically for Blue Thumb. So someone would come to Blue Thumb and they'd look around looking for art and they might add something to card or they'll click on a few artworks or add a few to, to, to a wish list. Um, but say, say they've added an abstract artwork to their cart, 
um, sending this person recommendations of other abstract artwork um, wasn't a great solution because art is a very, very personal thing. And the, 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 the sort of the key insight and the only thing you can really use to say, hey, if does this person, like what other artwork will this person like is what they've done on your site. Um, and so we did try a few third-party email tools to kind of do better um, email retention marketing. And we ended up just sort of rolling our own one. Um, you know, I, I've sort of years ago got a, a master's in computer science and I did intelligent web systems and we, we had to do these kind of um, recommendation systems, I guess, like, you know, really basic um, machine learning stuff. And so, yeah, we, we sort of decided, oh, why don't we try and build our own, roll our own system? And it kind of worked. It actually was a really good retention channel for Blue Thumb, um, sending people recommended artworks on uh, via email based on what they've done. So like, oh, why should this should exist for like anyone else who's doing e-commerce, you know, just because you're like a, a, a 10 person online store doesn't mean that you shouldn't have like a, a like this powerful tool. Um, yeah. And so that was the whole genesis. We sort of thought we'd have an MVP ready in three months back in 2015. And it took about, I don't know, 14 <laughs> to launch on <laughs> Shopify and big commerce. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I think there's a fair question in there um, for, for people just wondering, like, the disparity between the projection versus uh, the result. It's, it, I, think, I think it's something curious, um, so, uh, but I'm going to put a pin in it. Maybe we can, uh, uh, we, we can dig into it after. But there was a number of things that uh, stuck out to me with what you described up to and including what I just said. Um, one of them is that serendipity of it being an art-based platform, I think, provided a higher degree of... Um, awareness, like you were saying, you know, art being a, a subjective medium um, versus, I mean, I don't want to start throwing other, other, other niches under the bus, but you, if you take something that where the emotional range is much more specific, so say pets, for instance, the emotional range for pet is pretty much, oh, that's cute. Or, oh, that keeps my, my animal from abandoning me. It's pretty much those two, as far as I understand. Whereas art is actually a uh, a distinct array of emotions. You have people who will deliberately buy something that depresses them because they just want to convey that um, that mood on, on the wall. So you have this challenge of what I would say is the most um, disparate um, or really the most a diverse array of uh, interests, um, and and trying to figure out how do you then decide what to what to show people. So uh, this ties into the fact that your 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 email. Um, uh, system is data driven. So, how were you unearthing the data exactly from from the art platform? And I guess, on a broader, broader perspective, in general, how do we um, collect the right data to make the right uh, call to what we say to our customers? Sure. And yeah, the it is a is a good problem to start on art, and because yeah, people have this absolute emotional connection. There's, you know, there's sort of not much rational about what you love, and also it's completely unique. So um, they're one-off pieces. So it does, it's not like you have a really popular T-shirt line that, that you have a ton of data about this one product, right? You can only take user data. And also, you know, Blue Thumb has 250,000 art pieces, like individual SKUs, you, you can think about it that way. So it's a great one to kind of solve first and then you can back solve for someone's store who has a lot less complexity. Um, but, yeah, I guess what, what pieces of data sort of are most important to drive um, intent? Well, we, um, we in a way, we, we sort of are constrained because we work with other platforms. So, we, in a way, we do rely a little bit on the data that comes through um, the APIs of the, of the platforms we plug into. We also do some on-page tracking as well, but the, the key stuff we look at is, is past purchases, um, ads, ad to cart, um, product clicks and then time on product pages and it's just a big uh, mix of that and we actually kind of send it to um, a recommendation engine that we've been tuning for the last couple of years so I actually don't know what the <laughs> what the exact right mix is we sort of just tend to tune the the uh, the inputs and it, it tells us the best outputs I guess over time and it kind of does it at an aggregate scale as well so you know, for us, because, you know, we have, you know, um, 11,000 stores and we're going for many years and, and yeah, just tons and tons of data points. Um, yeah, it, uh, it, it, they're, they're the key sort of inputs, I guess you'd say. 
Okay, well, I, I would like to uh, take a moment and also uh, ask, um, you know, what was the inspiration for Blue Thumb? I know we're not, we don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but I would like to know what was the, the mindset and why you're driven to uh, do the art platform. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it was uh, my brother, Ed, and, and co-founder, Phil. Um, we wanted to do something online. We sort of liked marketplaces. This was back in 2011. Um, I was a failed musician. I'd sort of... <laughs> Um, at one point in my life, I'd been, you know, an indie musician and I'd run my whole kind of life and career on, on, on SoundCloud and I put career in kind of air quotes, um, which I'm I'm a failed comedian. So uh, I I empathize. (laughs) Nice. Well, it's funny. I'm not sure comedy has, has a, has a platform to run your career either, but, you know, as a musician, art, uh, sorry, music had the SoundCloud, which was this amazing platform and it kind of like allowed you to do so much um and it was yeah it, it sort of really just opened my eyes to what what um what uh yeah a, a platform for creativity can really do and uh yeah it was pretty inspired and I sort of we're talking about you know what what um I guess niche we wanted to work in and you know, chucked around wine like I liked music but I couldn't see a way to improve on SoundCloud and then, um, you know, had a couple of good friends at, at school growing up who were visual artists and, and were visual artists at the time. And, and my dad was like an amateur painter and had been all our lives. And we thought, well, you know, why not fine art, you know? Um, and, yeah, it, it just seemed like it was needed. You know, artists needed this. And we thought, we assumed that buyers might need this, you know, to go into a gallery is still a pretty intimidating experience. It's not something I like doing or feel comfortable. We thought there might be a lot of people who want like nice original art for their homes, but don't, you know, don't, don't buy it because there's no access to it. So we, that's, that's sort of why we um, blazed away. Um, And we all had jobs at the time as well, Phil, um, Ed and I, and where we did it as a kind of side um, job for a year or two. And it, yeah, it just started to grow it, grow it, um, bootstrap it. I, I I will say I haven't been to an art gallery too often, but it can be a, a, a it can be an interesting place to feel like am I doing this right? Like my, I I think for me the, the thing that that uh, at least the takeaway that I get from like an art gallery, and of course I'm being brief about this, is the same takeaway that I get when I watch a theater presentation versus watching a TV show. Um, TV shows, they convey the reality more because they have the luxury of editing and CG, whereas theater is all about engaging the imagination and connecting with the um, the kinetic energy happening on stage in that moment. And so like, I remember I went to a Van Gogh exhibit and I don't, I, I'm assuming there was some restorative work between now and, you know, when he made the, the, the art, but still to be able to see like the individual key, his brush strokes that he had put into it and to know that those actions, that kinetic energy had transcended time. Um, that to me, it was like the thing that I, that stuck out to me from my experience. But, um, you know, for, for every Van Gogh exhibit, there's like 50 where there's like a garbage pail and people can't tell they're supposed to use it or take photos. <laughs> exactly right. You know, and that's, and especially like contemporary art, right? It's, it's this sort of overwhelming, intimidating minefield for, for me and a lot of others. So yeah, it's, um you know, we sort of, yeah, we, we started Blue Thumb to, um, you know, do the opposite, basically make, make art available for everyone. And also to give um, artists who are up and coming a, a chance and actually Blue Thumb kind of, it, it's, it's very mission driven, you know, it's building the home of Australian artists and it's, you know, we've got this running total of, of um, artists who've started as um, part, part-time artists and had to work and become career artists through Blue Thumb. And, you know, that's really exploded um, over the last year or two. So it's, it's nice to see. And I kind of think that a lot of, a lot of those folks, you know, they don't get that first shot at getting gallery representation and so would, sort of wouldn't have had the opportunity to become full-time at their passion. Um, so it's really nice to see Blue Thumb letting them do that. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's the largest on art marketplace in Australia now and, and it's still growing really strong, like COVID. It just went bananas, so it's been good. Um, people want to follow up uh, images, especially of things that they haven't been able to go to in a while. I, I think the thing for me that that that, uh, that strikes me as uh, really significant, for, you know, especially for our entrepreneurial audience, is you know laying down the foundation for one business. It can bring out 
different problems, good problems to solve, which can then lead into um, uh, the next uh, uh, business idea and, and so on and so forth. So another, another uh, uh, grenade I'm going to put the pin back in is because that's how grenades work is, you know, if, if this is starting to inspire ideas for where do you want to go next? So let it stew. We'll see. Uh, we might get back to that one. So to my audience, uh, you all know that over time I've been, um, you know, picking and choosing. Uh, some, I somewhat treat this this podcast as a buffet where I get to see the the fast, vast array of options and I'd be like, I like that. Uh, I'm comfortable with that. I'm going to try that. Um, and I am super tempted to um, uh, to actually use uh, this uh, software myself. Um, I haven't made up my mind on which one I wanted to use prior to, but uh, this one speaks to me, and the the arts background too uh, always works for me because I have my own uh, my own arts background as well. So what what's step one? Um, I, I get the, I get this installed. I haven't I this isn't hypothetical by the way. I ain't sold anything yet, um, but I want to get this ready because what I want is to know that I have as strong of a brand as I can muster, so that when those first few customers roll in, I can take the most amount of um, okay advantage of it better terminology than that, but we're going to go with it. I want to make sure that they're getting the best experience they can. And emailing is such a significant part of that, or just the retention to speak more broadly. Yeah. So we've designed step one based on, on our experience in e-commerce. Um, and so our experience in e-commerce was we were chronically under, under-resourced for, for um, time and, and actually really a little bit of experience, you know, all the channels we're trying to we're trying to work at we sort of you know it was just a couple of people kind of growing this thing and a bunch of generalists you know we didn't have you know our own seo expert our own uh, retention expert those sorts of things you sort of have to wing it right and so and and the other point there is you know just always running out of time and so we've designed smarter mail to be uh, really fast and fast to set up, fast to get kind of designed and, and going, but also fast to use um, while you're composing and editing and those things. So number one is like speed, and I'll talk about that in a sec. And number two is um, a lot of smart defaults and smart um, draft flows and setups. Um, so the whole point is, you know, you, you know, you, you might have a store and maybe you've been doing sort of weekly emails or something like that, and maybe an abandoned card email. Well, you know that there's a lot more you can be doing with retention, but um, you might not know what um, what best in in practice sort of best practice looks like. So, what we give you is you'll sign up, and when I say fast, uh, we we pull in all, all your store data from whatever platform you're on. Uh, we also run a magic designer, and so what we do is we actually scrape your store while it's installing, and we pull in your fonts, your colors, and we set a design automatically that um, as best as we can matches how your store looks. You can obviously edit that. There might be a missing gap here or, or there, but yeah, we, we scrape it. And so you kind of have these default designs that look pretty much like your store, you know, with colors, fonts, um, button kind of layouts, all those sorts of things. Um, and the whole point is, you know, you shouldn't have to think about that. You have a nice sort of fairly minimal, but nicely matching design for all your emails. You can obviously edit. Um, and then the key thing is we, we give you like a bunch of, of really useful default flows. So there'll be like a win back flow. There'll be like an abandoned cart flow with kind of splits based on whether the customer is a previous purchaser or not. Um, you get, uh, like a handful of segments that you should be able to use and connect straight into Facebook as custom audiences. If you want to do retargeting marketing against those segments all those things they're all sitting there ready for you to go you can go and turn them on make your edits or whatever um yeah so while you're installing while you know the, it takes a few minutes you'll see spinners and and things happening we're kind of getting all that stuff set up for you in the background so that you kind of take that next step without really having to engage an email marketing agency if you don't want um, and i guess that's the big difference between us and some of the other e-commerce um, competitors in email. Um, there are some other good competitors that have been there for many years that sort of, you know, like their products and whatnot. But if you look at the reviews or if you look at um, someone using sort of a side-by-side -side comparison, you know, the, the time to get a good result on, on a competitor's software is, is just a long time and you need that expertise to really understand 
what to set up. Um, we kind of want to get uh, yeah, yeah, people there quicker um, and especially, you know, people, yeah, levelling up, you know, without having to kind of engage an expert. Well, I, you know, it, it, despite the digging that I had done, it didn't occur to me that um, that there's a lot of uh, automations even before installation is complete uh, to the point where it recognizes uh, what, you know, what my brand, my brand is, my color schemes. My, my color scheme is blue and white for my website. You know, it's, uh, yeah, but there's also the specific of like the, I guess the, was the hex key too. I just wanted to make sure that I don't like, okay, hang on a second. Did I get the right, the, the right blue stuff like that? Little, little subtle things like that too. It's good to know that uh, that's being looked after. You guys do have a uh, you do have a course on the uh, on the Shopify dot uh, com, so I can uh, obviously recommend uh, checking those out. Now the 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 emails that are sent out here, I imagine these are basically like the main ones that people go to the most. But I also don't think that these are like the be all end all. That there are other um, uh, maybe slightly less prevalent emails that might be more significant on a niche to niche basis. Yeah, educational emails, social share emails, replenishment, which if I had to guess is like you're out of something, you know, here, you need to get more of it. Um, am I, am I, am I right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, we, we give people as much as, as we can for sort of defaults, but you know, if you're people, people sell everything online. So if, if you're selling, um, secondhand Rolexes where, um, your, you know, replenishment or your repeat customer average rate is maybe three years, it's very different setting up like a replenishment email series, versus say if you're selling um, protein powder where people order every month um, so yeah this sort of we we talk about different different types of of um, uh, I guess best practice email flows um, but yeah they're definitely it's it, a, it's a, it's a general course and um, you just need to take into account your audience and your products um, and so I think there's a few other examples in there as well. You know, Tesla's on Shopify, their, their types of, of uh, emails, win bats and whatnot are very different to, you know, someone someone selling something that is more consumable. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there, there's a few other ones out there too, but um, uh, what we can do is we can put a, a link to it in the comments so people can check it out on their own time. I am always like, mm, what am I going to do when I have somebody for an hour? Am I going to just make him like recite the the course? Nah, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so, so set up. Um, not only am I like, it's like so surprised and impressed that, you know, how much of the, the groundwork is laid out. Um, so what I assume step two is now to start uh, composing these emails for, for my position right now, this is kind of the beauty of reverie marketing is if I'm able to start getting traffic to the store, uh, that's already a win. It's already a success because now they have turned into potential assets. They might be conversions later. Um, they, but now hopefully, hopefully I want to, you know, I want to get them uh, on my newsletter. So um, with composing emails, I look at these templates and I imagine, okay, I think I want to do, you know, an, an abandoned cart email. That's probably like one of the first ones I want to do. You know, um, I want to set up um, informative emails as well, start educating people about the brand. So, you know, we could, we could talk about, I guess like some of the best practices you've seen of, you know, how people have handled the, their email marketing. So we can get into that. But uh, my question is largely about the composition of the email itself is I'm picturing like, uh, to me, I'm always picturing like kind of like what Grammarly does almost where it's almost like it's keeping track of what I'm writing and it's actually making some uh, suggestions and adjustments to, to tone and what I want to convey. So in, in the interest of speed, you know, what is, uh, how, how long would it take to you know write the typical email? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, so we 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 provide uh, like a basically default copy in in all these email flows, um, but the you know it's it's not going to match your brand tone of voice um, at all. What it what it has is it's it's um, it's almost placeholder copy. Like it reads well and and it will work for you if if you don't have time. But really what's best is to to change that copy and match match how how you communicate your brand um the key thing is we we have all of the merge fields so all, all of the suggested data for each email will, will already be in there and you can write around it or delete it and redo it but um i guess the yeah we we sort of we don't go as far as sort of um ml to suggest a punchy subject line 
Um, yeah, we're not that advanced, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish we were. Um, and yeah, there's, you know, that that's where sort of the art remains, I think, in, in email marketing and, and any marketing, obviously, is, you know, we, we focus as hard as we can on like um, powerful tools that are simple to use. Um, however, in the really engaging subject line can can make such a massive difference in in your open and click and eventual sales rates, and you know that's something that yeah we we actually can't help you with, and it's kind of that's down to the magic of you and your brand. Um, but what we do is by providing the defaults, we kind of give you the idea of what what is a good um, starting point for how many emails, what you can be talking about in each one, um, and where the customer is on on that journey. So we might provide, a, a, so for example, we provide a default for um, customers who uh, abandoned cart and never bought from you, and there are more emails in that series. And you know, a third one has like an offer uh, or a discount code um, to give the people that nudge. Whereas you know, if it splits where the someone has bought from you before. Um, we won't suggest that that final nudge of a discount because converting that person who's bought from you before is um, is a much easier task. So it shouldn't require that. Um, yeah. So we we sort of give those those kind kind of cues, and the actual composing a really engaging email. Well, that's still still up to you as the as the shop owner, unfortunately. <laughs> Right. I know. Yeah. I'd say when we get to the point where that kind of thing is automated at that point, I think automation is just taken over and we can all get into spaceships. So I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about that at some point, but you know, we'll, we'll see if I survive long enough to, to see it unfold, unfold. But the, one of the things that I found, uh, very illuminating, um, this is much earlier on in like my own e-commerce, um, uh, journey is you, you talk about the advertising, the formula in advertising is so structural and so uh, enmeshed in marketing and sales and however broadly we can speak to it uh, that once it gets onto Facebook, it's so basically the same premise as like, you know, if you see it on a TV ad, um, can I, do I still, can I still recall it to my heart? I'm not like amazing. I'm recalling it off by heart, but I try, I just try, you know, a hook, old, bad, new, good benefits uh, over features, call to action. And I think to some degree, that's also true about these different email templates is that there are formulas and there are structures that have proven themselves in time in the same way that email has proven itself uh, that it's still relevant today, if rather, rather crucial um, uh, too, uh, in my estimation. So I think that's kind of like the, the the starting and stopping point where it's about the formula. It's about the structure. It's about what is proven to be uh, effective, the steps that are effective. And then people can come in and they they, they change the tone, they change the the wording. Um, but I, I suspect that people don't veer too far off really from um, uh, from the the structure that's conveyed in in not and really, again, speaking broadly, not just with you guys, but I really think in general. Yeah. And I, I guess the one thing that sort of really stands out when you look at um, the stores that that have um, massive success with email marketing on SmarterMail, um, and you know when we measure that, so on a dashboard you can actually see what percent of your revenue for your store is coming directly through email clicks. Um, and so when stores starts getting above twenty five percent of their revenue attributed directly from email clicks, you can see that they are really doing e- email right. The, the thing that stands out is the design of their emails invariably is quite minimal and simple. Um, often it might have, it'll, yeah, it'll always look well-designed, I would say, uh, almost always. Um, and this is me sort of generalizing based on, you know, our top emailers. Um, I could sort of go, I could try and pull out a bunch of data. It's hard to reconcile that with email design, but yeah. Minimal, um, yeah, it's sort of, I guess, not not overly busy is, is the other thing that, that tends to stand out. And the one other interesting thing is, you know, we, we have tons of different types of automated emails you can uh, enable, turn on um, in SmarterMail. The one that drives the most revenue still, and by a fair margin, double more than the next type of automation, is actually... Um, product recommendation emails um, that are automated to go out at, at, at intervals. And the funniest part about that is that is a part of um, our app that has less design flexibility. And 
um, the actual how how the products are laid out. Um, yeah, that that's just because it's like an an older part of the app. We sort of haven't finished the editor like everything else. It's actually still quite minimal, and it's yeah more than double revenue per email on those emails than the next highest. So I don't know what that tells you, but basically, the, you know, it's got a strong product focus and it's super, super minimal looking um, emails. Yeah, I guess, you know, our, our ethos has always been uh, the relevancy of the content in these emails um, is is the most important thing for us to provide. So yeah, we, we sort of work on that. Um, so you're doing bulk email, but it's actually uh, customized to your audience. And then, yeah, it's... Um, it's you're not overly designed i guess and the ones that tend to generate revenue um at the highest rate i think some of it has to do and i'm not the expert here but i think some of it well you know we're working my way or like i do get yeah. to talk to a lot of people but anyways sure. i guess you know some of it has to do with the ratio of um value provided to the uh, recipient of the email um versus the i guess the call to have that value reciprocated in way by way of a purchase. So like, I don't, I wouldn't want to send like a product recommendation every week because I don't have that many products. What I do have is a lot of ideas and a lot of ideas that I want to convey, you know, over time they, they get a bunch of those emails and then a product recommendation uh, comes in. And then at that point they say, Oh, well, you know, actually, because I, I've warmed them to the concept, right. It's been selling them on the brand working them over that way. And so that I think is Probably a, a great deal of how uh, these are done, um, uh, for one, equitably, but also uh, in a way that gets people the results that they want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, and I completely agree. And sort of, I, I guess sometimes it's easy, you know, while we're designing the product, we sort of have a very transactional hat on. You know, we're sort of saying, hey, what, what data can, what more data can we use for uh, that stores can kind of send a customized um, flow email with, right? Um, but yeah, taking a step back, yeah, in, engaging a customer or potential customer in your actual brand and and sort of yeah, providing providing content that actually engages with them, not just selling. Of of course, you know that that's um, going to convert, and especially over the long haul. And I, I guess on a more practical note as well, you know, we our tools are very much focused on you know retention. I guess you know someone's purchased once, you know keeping them coming back, you know, it's, it's your kind of owned audience, you know, the, you know, um, what else can you send them that is um, relevant to them? But uh, there's another a really important part of email in e-commerce and that is um, capturing potential new customers and effectively improving your conversion rate um, by turning them sort of slowly into customers. Um, and the the way I kind of think about that in e-commerce, especially, is you know if you're if you are you know selling stuff online and and you convert say one percent of your visitors, um, so you have a one percent conversion rate. Well, that's actually not too bad, you know. It's um you know say two percent conversion rate. Well, that's that's really great in e-commerce. Um, so, but what that means is is ninety eight visitors out of a hundred are, are bouncing and, and not buying that day. Um, so if you work at capturing those, uh, customers, say with a pop-up or like smart, um, on products, uh, product page, email collection, and you maybe convert an, another 5% of them via the pop-up or the on-page product, uh, email collection into your email funnel. Well, that funnel should convert at a pretty high rate if you have the right kind of flow on there. Um, maybe you'll convert 25% of them eventually after a few emails. So what you've effectively done is turn that, say, 1% conversion rate into, you know, 3% over time. You know, that's, a, that's, that's massive for e-commerce. So thinking about email um, in that frame as well is, is super important. Um, and I know especially sometimes sort of first-time e-commerce founders get, you know, get a little bit hesitant about, say, on-page pop-ups to collect people. And I kind of get it. They can be a bit annoying. Um, but if you do it in the right way and you offer people real value for giving you their email address, you actually treat it like a kind of relationship and not just give me your email, um, you know, whether it's a discount or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's super important, super effective. So that's the other part of, of email and what SmartMail can do 
um, as well that people should be thinking about, especially, and this is e-commerce for So one thing that I I can't help but wonder about, and the way I'm asking this is um, not so much for you to feel like you have to be the arbiter on this subject, but I think it has more to do with like case studies and what you've observed is how far I can reuse content. It's like, say, for instance, I write something in a blog and some people, they might not come back to the website. They might not even know that there was a blog, which is probably more my fault, but I I would like to know that I can reuse my blog content in an email just so that it's more worth my time to be able to disseminate that material into multiple sources. So have you seen like a disaster over this or have you seen that this turns out to be like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Most people don't seem to care. They just want to read. No, I've never seen a disaster where someone says, oh, my God, I've read this article already. How dare you (laughs) send it to me? And on the flip side, I would assume that most new people signing up for your email address probably haven't read your greatest hits on your blog. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, that's a great, easy first step is if you're setting up, say, a, a, a flow or a funnel um, aimed at, at new subscribers, just pull out the evergreen content, you know, the greatest hits, the stuff that, you know, is popular on, on your blog over time and put it in that flow. It's like, Think about it as, as kind of building a relationship. I know it feels one-sided, but it's not. These people are engaging. If you send, um, you know, six six pieces of content from the last few years over six weeks um, to new subscribers, um, yeah, it's a great way to engage um, people for the long term. Well, we always want to, the idea is to look for ways to excite the creative mind as a seller. Like for me, I would think one thing I'd like to try to do is do like a highlight of of several blogs just like snippets from each one say you know read the full thing here go to this and go to this one go to this one and so that way i'm showing like an array of some of the writing that i've done over the course of the year totally and that makes complete sense you know um and and it, and it does come down to the sort of how how you communicate as well like your brand voice what what your customers expect from you um yeah so totally pulling a whole bunch of that content into um, like bigger, bigger kind of emails definitely can make sense. Um, you know, we, we, like I said, we're sort of more e-commerce focused. Um, so, you know, I'm not really the expert on, on the kind of long form email content. Um, I just know it as a consumer of it as well. Like, yeah, the, the, obviously the, the sub stacks and, and the blogs I engage with. Yeah. I, I love going deep on them and I love getting long emails. Yeah, I mean, for me, I there there was this uh, window where I I kind of went scorched earth on on emails because I had signed up for so many of them, and then I just like, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, and and one of them they they were clever slash insidious. I don't want to call them out or anything, but they had so many different sub brands where I would unsubscribe to one, and then the next sub brand like would send another one. I unsubscribed to that, then another, then another, then another. And I actually got to the point where I emailed them back and said, please, for God's sake, stop sending me these. And that actually worked. So some, some they must have had the keyword search, be like, all right, if somebody gets irate, just let them go. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend making it hard to unsubscribe. I'd like, you know, talked a lot about um, kind of, yeah, strategy and, and like a whole bunch of stuff here. Um, your inbox kind of health is actually super important. It's something that um, people don't think about enough, I'd say, just because it's kind of boring and technical. But that that can make that can be kind of a, a really really big deal if you have engaging emails. You get this positive kind of feedback cycle. Um, you know, for example, Gmail's smart, right? So they look at um, how your general kind of open. Um, and engagement rates for your sending domain, uh, sending IPs, and say, hey, you know, over time, these guys have good uh, engagement rates. And so um, it's more likely to hit the inbox, um, maybe even go from the kind of promotions tab into primary tab. Um, uh, But on the flip side, if you make it hard to kind of unsubscribe or you do funny stuff, you know, like you change brands and keep emailing to the same list, what happens is you get a whole bunch of people not opening, you get a whole bunch of people marking spam, and then that's the opposite cycle, and then it's more likely it'll go into spam in more other people's um, inboxes, and it can really, really cook your um, your emailing in general. So, yeah, that kind of good hygiene is super important uh, for the long term. 
Yeah, and, and and you know, and touching on the inbox from the uh, from the user side, uh, I think one of the unsung advantages of having like a healthy uh, inbox ecosystem is its ability to archive uh, a significant amount of data. Now, not to um, uh, uh, open up the can of worms, which I am constantly um, restraining myself not to do, but like I do, I do subscribe to some political podcasts, and. I mean, the, the news cycle changes rapidly every, every, every 10 minutes, you know, uh, something happens and it's very difficult to keep track, but I've kept on to every last one of those emails from, from each episode of the podcast, which is you know, every day, uh, five days a week. And so even though I, I don't really like, I have a high engagement rate, what I do have is this treasure trove of, of news articles, of links, of, of, of insights um, all of which that I that I can access at any time. So, like one thing I would like to see, at least as far as the email side go, is for there to be a little bit more um, of a uh, of a of storage and archival process where it, it it allows for emails to eventually become like like miniature books. Like if I were to get constant emails from uh, from uh, from Smartmail, you know, over time I would want to collect all of that to the point where I now have like this PDF of like forty two pages worth of like. You know, different um, uh, smart email updates. So, there, I think there is a lot that needs to be done on the recep- recipient side to encourage all of this content, all this free, valuable content, um, to become more digestible for the consumer. Another example, I'll just say real quick, and I would love to get your take on it, is Mantis Sleep, uh, the sleep mask company. They they send information about sleep every you know every week, and I don't read all of them. I I just don't. But imagine if it was all consolidated into one PDF and I just had myself like a three hour, like how to how to fall asleep without so much melatonin session. That would be fantastic. But I'd, I'd love to hear your take on like, you know, being an email company. What would you love to see or, uh, you know, some of the practices? What would you love to see change or uh, be improved on as far as uh, emails go? Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of weird. Like, like if email itself predates the World Wide Web. You know, it was like late 60s invention. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's the cockroach of the internet. And, and, and like the other cool thing is it's, it's completely um, open protocol. No one owns it, just just like TCP IP. It's kind of email is for everyone. And obviously there's been a, a bunch of like bad email stuff that's happened over the last kind of 10 years with spam and, and whatnot. But it's cool to see a bunch more um I guess progress in email in the last sort of two or three years. Um, and I'm not just talking about Substack. It's kind of like superhuman and even Gmail and a few other kind of um, inbox apps that are kind of trying to improve on the fairly stock standard email experience. And what I kind of can see happening is just like, there's kind of headless commerce coming, you know, you, you won't be going to someone's website to buy stuff. You just, you buy it off a social link. You'll kind of wherever you are. I can see that coming with email as well, you know, where email itself will be its own experience in the inbox and it won't just be dumb clicking links out to a, a website anymore or a social app or anything. Email will be the experience. And so um, I don't think it's far away where you'll be able to, and, you know, I'm e-commerce focused where you just be able to kind of transact straight from your email inbox. You'll be able to kind of, yeah, just just live within the inbox. And what that'll mean is um, the relevant email and the stuff that you like and engage with will be way more powerful. Um, so, yeah, I, I can kind of see that coming really soon. Um, and, yeah, we're kind of we're thinking about that a lot as well. And, yeah, it's, I don't know, I just like that there's a lot of, you know, we've been in, in email for, for many years and it just feels like recently there's this resurgence of interest in it, which is really cool because, yeah, it's always been the cockroach of the internet. It's just nice to see it get, like, a little bit more, people a bit more excited about it too. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, how the content is consumed. I think at this point, mo- most people, it's it's funny because, like, I can't remember which, uh, which developing country this is where, like, they don't have access to running water, but they all have iPhones something along those lines. So it just seemed amusing to me. Um, you have, you have tablets, uh, obviously a lot, uh, um, an increase in, in touch technology. And so just the, 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 the experience of, uh, going through this information, I'd say has r- ramped up, especially in like then the last five years. Um, I mean, one of the things that I'd like to share on the, for me is I, I, 
and this is coming from uh, from my podcasting background, is you know, there's all these uh, distribution platforms. There's some major ones, there's some minor ones, and then there's stuff. And I've always felt like that needs to be fixed. There really needs to be some way for some catch-all to consolidate all of, regardless of where a platform is hosted, regardless of where I prefer to subscribe to, some way for it to seamlessly be fed into my um, my device. And I'd like to see the same thing happen um, uh, with emails, but also with messages uh, altogether. So more like this. So imagine looking at a tablet and just seamlessly going from like, okay, this these are some this is a text message. Uh, what's next on my feed? Oh, a TikTok. What's next on my feed? Oh, my stocks. What's next on my feed? Oh, my crypto. And so, I mean, the the downside is that it's going to fully control us, and at that point, no one's getting out of bed. But if we can be disciplined, I think it can it can allow the strength of each um, of each medium to uh, to to stand on their on their own terms because the problem is a lot of I think the ability for somebody to read an email happens to be like when they are they get it like if they happen to be on their lunch break they're like oh you know I'll, I'll check this out later and then I go to my inbox and I've got like six messages I'm like okay I'm not reading I'm not reading these guys and and, and next thing I know it's 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 archived or bust yeah yeah that that that's a sort of an interesting one as well and and it kind of I, I'm not sure how easily solvable that is I kind of going back to you know, a, uh, a kind of a global messaging kind of layer. Yeah. Like people, people have been trying to do that with products. You know, I know there's a few that I've seen. It's an interesting one. I don't know where that, where it's going with that though. I, I don't know if, if ultimately it's the kind of platform that you most consume that will try and fix that. But then again, you know, how long is it until we don't have phones and, 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 you know, we just kind of, VR, ARing our way around the world, you know. Um, so I'm not. I, I have no idea where where that's going to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> when it when it happens, I, I reckon it will be not not how we think um, because it seems that you know those those massive jumps aren't, aren't easy to predict, right? Um, but but yeah, going yeah, email uh, sort of having that sort of recency problem. Um, yeah, that's that's really real, you know. If, especially when pe- with people who 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 get a lot of email or who have a lot of newsletters or whatnot. Um, yeah, if if it's not time to write, it can kind of just be missed and gone, and and that's gone. Um, we we try and help our customers, uh, you know, with sort of building out um, smart send frequency type tools um, that kind of. So, so we do, we do the sort of automated content stuff already based on customer data. Um, it'll be automated sending based on um, any data we have about when that particular customer um, has opened the last emails, and try and time it better against that. Um, that that's you know that's a fairly hard problem to solve, and we're trying to solve it. Yeah, with with our sort of ML stack. Um, so yeah, we're trying to do a small thing on 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 our end, but in the end, it's sort of. It's more, I guess, around the the inbox side of things, and yeah, again, don't I don't know where the world's going on that one, but yeah, sort of have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting problem, and it calls for an interesting solution. So, um, you know, it just just to give Mantis Lab one more uh, shout out, um, but, you know, they helped me get to sleep. I'll say that much is the way they brand it. Uh, you know, it's called the Sleepscape. You know, issue number one, issue two, issue three. And what I, what they do is they, they tend to brand it as like almost like it's a it's a miniature magazine, and I think that to me is you know taking the strengths of other mediums as well and working into the DNA of the message. So, um, if you know I don't have a I don't have a, a tablet that I use routinely, but imagine if I did, that would probably be the most enjoyable experience possible, which is having like these this this miniature magazine sent to to my inbox. So. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of it will also fall on the uh, on the brand as well to figure out, you know, how do we get people to to be excited to to see your email? So yeah, it's a it's it's a heck of a challenge. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate your take on it. Uh, I, I I like getting into the philosophical territory. By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version three has been released, and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long.
Now, to get back to a, a granular question, so you had said earlier that the number one email was the uh, product recommendation email, um, and by a significant margin too. I was wondering about that, um, but in order, I think, to make the best comparison, at least in my own mind, whether that's now or when I'm having my usual how do I get to sleep struggle, is what's what's the number two email? What's the, even if it is far off, you know, what's what's number two? And and this is this is um, by clicks into revenue. So you know that that's just one way to judge is this a good email? Um, you, your email updates or newsletters or whatever they they you know they might be more popular in a way you know people might engage with them more, but um, they might not drive immediate sales straight away. But the number two is the abandoned carts, the smart abandoned carts. Um, so they convert very highly, obviously because there's a high intent on them. Um, and yeah. But the number one for revenue by margin is those product recommendation emails. Yeah, I mean, okay. The, I mean, the only uh, takeaway that I can come up with, at least you know, on the spot, is the where where that falls into uh, where that falls into the funnel because you have people who are warm, they have purchased, and so, anyways. Um, yeah, okay. That just that, that checks that out. Okay, so I got a key one for you. I think this is a cool question, uh, but I don't know what kind of answer uh, it could yield. But we're gonna go for it. Do you notice any? significant differences between the brands that say use Shopify versus the ones that say use WooCommerce or BigCommerce or uh, some of the other platforms? Yeah, definitely. Um, big, big differences. Um, oh, big differences. Yeah, yeah. huge. <laughs> uh, and um, this is only based on our experience of, of users. So um, the people who... Well, Obviously, Sh Sh Shopify is is the biggest platform by users. So, um, you know, we sort of I, hard to generalize on what a Shopify person user is like. But people on WooCommerce um, they tend to have more questions about our API. Um, they tend to I I think because WooCommerce one is a customizable tool and a free tool. I find they they tend to pay us less as well. Um, you know, we've got more free plan users on on Woo. Um, you know, it's cheaper than Shopify, I guess. Um, and they tend to uh, ask more questions around T's and C's and all sorts of stuff like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a few, there's a few insights about the the differences. And big commerce, uh, big commerce customers uh, on average. Uh, uh, are much bigger than our Shopify customers. You know, number of um, number of people in their subscriber lists. Um, so yeah, they they sort of they tend to be on a higher plans, paying us more. Um, but we we have a lot less. So um, you know, I guess yeah, Shopify that that growth rate you can see in general it's it's been sort of astronomical. So that's that's our biggest market. Um, uh, followed by Woo. Oh, sorry, uh, not Woo. Uh, followed by BigCommerce. And um, so that actually raises another really good question too. Um, now, mind you, when I had uh, planned this one out, I was thinking specifically for Shopify, but you know, the more information, the merrier, which is what you notice about businesses that have been able to cross that threshold from being on the free plan to the paid plan is, I, I mean, I, I, I imagine that a large degree of it is the, the strength of the emails um, by way of working with your company. Um, I would also say, which I think is fair, is that there's probably other factors too. You know, they're advertising, um, they're, they're, they're just the customer service, uh, whatever that happens to be. But overall, what uh, what have you noticed that has been like the key indicators of ones that, frankly, to put it in the most frank way possible, is the ones that can finally pay you? Mm, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And that threshold is at 1,000 subscribers. So um, we sort of you know, pay a bit of attention when someone has say 900 or 800 plus subscribers, um, check, check sort of, uh, they're going to be hitting that threshold where they sort of don't qualify for the free plan anymore. And I guess, yeah, this is just me pulling out some random observations, but I, I, I do tend to see a fair bit that they have pretty strong social presences. Often it's Insta. Um, so they might have a decent uh, Insta following and the kind of, you know, be putting a bit of work in there and perhaps um, they'll be using Smart Mail as their first email tool and email hasn't really been a channel um, that they've used. Um, and so what we can see pretty quickly is, uh, 
you know, we we can help you spin up um, email, another channel that, that brings in more revenue or gets you more repeat sales very easily. Um, so there's there's not well, you don't see much pushback on people when they hit that threshold um, if they have a bit of that momentum. And it's normally they they have momentum on a social channel normally, and they're bringing in email. That's sort of the the switches we see. Um, yeah, so. You know, a lot of, and you can see pretty fast growth rates in some of these stores as well. They'll go go from like 800 subscribers to 5,000 because they, as soon as you see results on this new channel, like, oh, okay, you know, I just, I thought email was dead. I thought it was for boomers. Um, well, no, it's actually like, it, it can still, <laughs> a great way to engage with your audience, even if your main audience is sort of 17 years old. So. Yeah, that's kind of what we uh, anecdotally see a fair bit of. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, you're you're swimming in evidence. So even I would uh, I would take your your anecdotal uh, your anecdotal stories as uh, something significant to pay attention to. I, I I have you for I, I got you for a bit for a bit more time. Uh, not a heck of a lot. Certainly not as much as uh, as I would like. But you know, dims the breaks. Personally, I have a I have an affinity for affiliate marketing. So like I've dipped my my head into a lot of different um, head. No, people don't dip their heads. They dip their toes. Come on, Joseph, get it together. <laughs> they dip their toes into different pools. Um, so when I, you know, with SEO, I try my best to understand it. I really, truly do. Um, but I'm pretty sure if I were to go back and watch my my footage, you can see me drooling at the mouth a little bit. Whereas with affiliate marketing, I, I, I really got it. And it excites me to use it because it actually compels me to use my creative side, my, my writing side, my promotional side. Um, have you seen um, affiliate marketing... Um, and to just to describe exactly what I mean by that is like I send an email, I'm promoting somebody else's product just because I really believe in what they're doing and I stick an affiliate link in there. Have you seen people do affiliate marketing by way of email or have you seen that pretty much like is relegated to the website more more often? Yeah, it doesn't come up much um, for us. And I, I guess because people are mostly using us to, to speak to their audience who will buy direct from them. Um, so yeah, obviously affiliate marketing email is huge. It's just sort of not really, uh, kind of niche, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. I just thought it was, a. I mean, for me, like I said, uh, affiliate marketing is just something I'm a big fan of. So, yeah. you know, um, when, when, when opportunity, uh, uh, calls, give it a shot. Okay. So I'm going to bring back a question that I had uh, tabled earlier and, uh, cause I don't have you for much time left. So what I'm wondering is, are you starting to identify problems that perhaps another uh, idea could be the solution to? Um, where do you see your where, where do you see yourselves going? Yeah, um, well, definitely. Like, so, so, so with Smartmail, we sort of we we've built this kind of powerful automation platform and like a, a bunch of really cool kind of composing visual tools that happened to be an email because that's what we were using and understand. But um, like in the, at the end of the day, it's a marketing automation platform. So I would love to add, add in more channels um, to allow people to kind of automate their, their kind of messaging to their customers, not just on email and not just collect emails. Um, the kind of most obvious one there is sort of SMS. Um, it's sort of held off on that for a little while because I hate bulk SMS like the rest of the world. Yeah, I, I guess we sort of automated SMS that's targeted based on on your kind of user journey. Like that makes sense to me. But um, the bulk SMS, you know, I never really wanted to do. So we sort of put that on the backlog. Sorry, just, uh, just a quick question for you. Have you uh, heard of a cartloop.io? No, I don't know cartloop. Okay, yeah, I, I got a chance to speak with them a while ago. I've talked to other SMS people, but... Um, cart loop is a conversational one. So they actually focus on having people on the other end. So, um, yeah, you, they, they, they you might, you might have an affinity for them. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd have a look into it. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just yeah. wanted to let you know. Yeah, no, I'll check them out. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we, we integrate with a bunch of cool tools. So like, um, you know, re review apps and, and kind of, uh, support apps and all sorts of stuff that bring e-commerce, um, we don't want to build that stuff. We just want to integrate with the guys who are doing it well. Um, and so, yeah, you know, our, our first port of call has been to start building integrations into good SMS providers. Um, but yeah, we, we'll add in SMS as well for abandoned carts and some of these like 
key key sort of automations. And then, yeah, there's just so much more to do. The hard thing is prioritizing it, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, fair. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even get a chance to to ask you about you know the the projection of like oh we'll do this in three months, fourteen fourteen months later. So I didn't didn't get get that one. Yeah, in, but yeah. Uh, well, like that, that's just software development, isn't it? Like you you know you you've got this crude MVP that you think is almost there, and then yeah, you realize it's it's a long way from almost there. Yeah, it's it's um yeah, there's a lot to do, and also like I don't know, this is it's it's hard. It's hard being an entrepreneur in in a space where there's it's so changes so much and you see so many glaring problems that you're like I could solve this I could build this and it's like it sometimes it's really hard when when you finally get a great idea to do something else to just kind of not do it <laughs> like I, the other yeah. day I was yeah because like, like dis- lo- discovery is addictive like it's it's that it's that beginning phase of it that's the most addictive thing and then you get into the frustration side of it and then it's very easy to go back to discovery uh rather than then power through and get to the next phase after frustration which is mastery yeah oh, but also prioritization is just so hard like you know we, we've got so much more to do on smartmail and like you know momentum all this stuff but like you know it sort of went through we went through the process of um applying for a revenue-based finance loan from you know the big names they do it you know did all that just just kind of to see what it is what they'd offer all the, these sorts of things the, the process was to be honest kind of clunky and you know you look at pipe who are sort of growing quickly and they do kind of, they turn your MRR into ARR, which is a great idea. And I'm just like, why can't there be a, a debt marketplace? That's maybe DeFi debt marketplace. You know, you could put bang across, you know, USDC as well as, you know, put money in. You you have money, you want a good, good return. You plug into SaaS and e-commerce on the other side, plug into Stripe and, and Zero and these tools. And you, you have a, you know, you say, I'll, I'll give you 8% loan based on these terms you know why doesn't that exist you know it should it's such an like it's such a needed idea when you see how clunky the current process is and the first time i've been through that and i'm like oh man my god this could improve and you know i can't work on that if someone listening wants to please do it because it should exist and it's like you have they have these things these ideas that come up and you just can't i have to stay focused but anyway yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to respond to that super briefly because we got to get you on out of here. But I, certain um, practices, they do benefit from being um, more protracted. Like the difficulty of getting the loan is an inherent advantage, even if it's not intentional. So that's yep. that's yep. it. Uh, real, yep. real, real, real quick point there. So w- with that, uh, I think our audience there there is. I I'm, I imagine we might have missed a couple of uh, key features about your about your service. Um, if so. I leave it to you if you want to use uh, a little bit more time, just let us know about them. Otherwise, um, we can uh, send our audience over. And I'm happy to say you can sign me up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this a go for myself because I, like I said at the beginning, I got skin in the game and um, I got I, I still got pieces to put together. So I'm happy to say this is definitely going to be a piece for me. So with that, uh, the floor is yours once more. If you want to let us know how to find you, anything else you want us to let us know about the service. And if there's like a Chinese proverb or a piece of wisdom you like, feel free to share it. But, you know, we're uh, we're on the clock here. So uh, uh, have the floor as much as uh, you like, and then we'll get you on out of here. Fantastic. Cool. Um, yeah, definitely sign up, get on Smarter Mail for sure. I'd lo- love to have you on there. I uh, love your feedback too. Um, yeah, if people, you know, if, if folks listening are, uh, you know, in e-commerce and, and want to try Smarter Mail, um, yeah, just find us at smartermail.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-R-M-A-I-L. Um, yep. Or, you know, if, if you actually sort of want to go a bit deeper on email automation, yeah, we did a course uh, with Shopify um, a video course, you know, you can just Google Shopify email automation course and, and you'll see us there. And, you know, we take you through kind of the, the deeper setup on, on best practice there. Um, and yeah, if, if you want to find me as well, ranting about stuff in the world, um, I'm on Twitter, uh, GT Hartley. Uh, that's my handle. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of, yeah, happy to leave it there. It's it's been really great chatting with you, um, and it's like it's nice to have some far ranging kind of questions as well. I'm, uh, uh, it's been it's been a nice way to start the day here. 
<laughs> yeah, like it, it gets a, it opens the brain wide up. It's a, it's a speciality for me. I, I come from a very very quirky line of uh, line of work. So, uh, oh, doors open by the way. Give yourself a couple quarters. More than happy to have you back and uh, keep the conversation going from there. So, uh, to our audience, as always, uh, it's an honor to be able to collect and give this information to you. To my editor Micah, um, one thank you for all you do, and to um, link to Shopify. Uh, this is just, just so you know. Uh, just put put the course in the in the notes. That's for her. And uh, to everybody else, take care, and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. <laughs>